when you're lost in the darkness, look for the pod. Specifically, the Prestige TV podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, where we're breaking down every new episode of HBO's The Last of Us. On Sunday nights, grab your battery and join Van Lathan and Charles Holmes for an instant reaction to the latest episode. Then head back to the QZ on Tuesdays for a deep dive with Joanna Robinson and Mallory Rubin. From character arcs to video game adaptation choices, story themes to needle drops, we'll parse every inch of this cordyceps-coated universe. Watch out for mouth tendrils and follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, probably a lot better than you are. <laughs> I imagine. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's uh, not seven up, seven down. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, man. I'm all right. Thanks. How are you? Um, I am. <laughs> I watched, listen, always go to bed happy. So I finished up by watching some amazing basketball shout out to the nba last oh. night it's incredible there were more players with 18 with the 30 point games 18 actually more players with 30 point games in one night i think than ever before in the nba wow it's incredible suns mavericks incredible match incredible game um so yeah i finished KD up and Kyrie meeting up again yeah it was spectacular Doncic and paul as well going head to head booker as well so it was wonderful and um yeah probably good to end the weekend with some <laughs> on an upward note should we do some admin quick? Let's do it. Um, well, first of all, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, mm. moving on the world. Righty's house this week will be Musa Gwanga and Ryan Hun joining Ian. Looking forward to that. Look at me referring to myself in third person. I feel like Zlatan. <laughs> God, now I know what he does it. It felt so powerful. So we're going to talk a lot of Arsenal stuff on that. We're going to talk about Arsenal's win over Chelsea in the Conti Cup final. Mm. Galvanised wow. by Ian's... The speech, yeah. Any given Sunday speech, which Incredible. if you haven't heard it, then you need to subscribe to Writer's House, like I told you the other day. Unless you listen on Google Podcasts, because for some reason, the podcast is just not, it, they still haven't sorted that out at Google. Sorry. Um, Ian gave an Any Given Sunday style speech, because he always talks about how people need the Any Given Sunday speech. He did it. So we were like, all right then, do it. Speech for the ages. And he though. did it. It's incredible. It was great, and uh, it. I think it. I think it made its. It might have made its way into the Arsenal dressing room. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, urban myth. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just a rumor that was starting to spread. <laughs> um, I love a speech. Ian's on counterpress as well. Actually, at this very busy moment, man. I believe they're recording. Um, busy, busy man. So, so yeah, we might save the deep dive on Arsenal's win over Bournemouth and the Conti Cup stuff. We'll save for mm. Wrighty's house but um, massive win for Arsenal in that final because not a lot of people fancied them for that myself included and they were really really impressive from a tactical point of view yeah, and they were from a mentality point of view um, but yeah we will talk about that on Wrighty's house 
Any other admin? I oh. think that's it. Can I shout out second captains? I jumped on second captains to talk about Arsenal with, with Ken earlier as well, which was fun. So if you, yeah, if you love second captains, yeah. go and check that out. Um, Stanley Welch was playing on Spotify. Got a big one today. A new album just dropped. It's a contender for album of the year, I think. Big shout out, because you listen to a lot of music. Very good record, very good record. Really good record. We'll, uh, yep. we'll, you have to wait till the end of the show to find Spectacular out. Spectacular wordplay on that too. Yeah. And I think that's all the admin. So today we are going to probably focus the bulk of our attention on Liverpool's win over Manchester United. We round up a couple of other things as well and um, talk about a couple of couple of red cards. Moise Kane doing the football equivalent of gra- the Grandpa Simpson gif. <laughs> what done. Got a red card. Turned around, grabbed his hat. <laughs> out he goes. <laughs> um, but let's get into it after this. Oh boy, let's go to Anfield. Let's Liverpool, go to Anfield. Seven, Manchester United nil. Seven nil, equaling Manchester United's worst ever defeat. Seven nil, seven. Yeah, nil. wild. I think we should talk about Liverpool first, if that's okay with you, because one, I thought Manchester United were quite good in the first half actually, and uh, had a really good couple of really really good opportunities. Mm. But I feel like the latter stages of that first half really built the foundation for the second half of Liverpool because it's kind of felt like in patches a little bit of old Liverpool not not as not as um, destructive and not as maybe you know completely on point but the way that they finally found that opportunity and when they found that opportunity they capitalised on it instantly and that was something that Manchester United just didn't do in the first half and that was basically the difference yep. in the second half it just reminded me a little bit of like when Liverpool Peak Liverpool under Klopp, when they start going downhill, like into, or they feel like they're like running downhill, you cannot stop them. And mm. this, the second half felt like, I literally watched this thing the other day, it was a, an Instagram reel of a dude who's got a load of breeze box, wrote, like done in like a spiral. Mm. And he's got his three kids there with him and he knocks one breeze box and they all, and they all go down like dominoes. And one of the kids is stood there and it's blowing his mind and he's jumping up and down. He's just like, this is incredible. And the, the older child has kind of stood there with their arms folded and just not asked. <laughs> and it kind of looked like the breeze blocks were the second half for Liverpool. And one of them was a Liverpool fan and one of them was a Man United fan who was just like, this is awful. <laughs> but there felt like a weird sense of inevitability while, while simultaneously in the first half, it not feeling like it was that inevitable. Really this was a 7-0. Game. This is so funny. It's like, people are like, oh, the goals came late. It was a 7-0. And the, there were so many clear chances before the game exploded into goals, like Canate, the header wide, Nunez. There were so many clear chances, but I want to go and say something. I want to just slightly challenge something you said earlier in a positive okay. sense. This wasn't the old Liverpool. This is the new Liverpool. You see ah. the back four. Yeah, you see the back four. You see the team they put out. Mm. Absolutely full strength. Full fitness, locked in. Okay, and the Harvey, Harvey Elliott here is the key to this. This man entered the conversation as the third placed playmaker behind Curtis Jones and Thiago. He has leapfrogged both of them. He is now, the, I can't believe I'm saying this, he is now the primary playmaker in Liverpool's midfield. Mm. That's incredible. That's incredible. He has achieved that in what, like a few months? Mind blowing. So he's locked in. He's brilliant. Gakpo is now running around like a, a Di Maria type vibe, you know, Di Maria 2.0 because of his energy. You know, Di Maria in that sort of same way of being so, so upright, doing the hard defensive work, 
and being astonishingly brave. Like, you know, Gakpo, we talked before about his performance against Real Madrid, and that's a conversation to begin again. Real Madrid now have to look at this Liverpool team and be like, we have to be very careful in the is opening half over? hour. It's yeah, because abs- Real Madrid aren't in great form in La Liga at the moment. Well, it is absolutely not over because Gakpo, he continued that brilliant first 20 minutes, half hour hit against Real, and he was spectacular against Manchester United. And when I say this is the new Liverpool, it's arrived six months ahead of schedule. Just when everyone's going, oh, not, not everyone, a lot of people are like, oh, like, is Klopp's like a bit anxious? Is, is the magic gone? This reminds me of when Sir Alex Ferguson had that wobble in 2006 when he was reconfiguring his team and he brought in new players and was reshaping the midfield. And there was a lot of transition. There were a lot of changes and lots of different people. There were a lot of changes in a lot of different positions. He lost a couple of big players. We've seen Firmino going, uh, well, announce his departure. We've seen Sadio Mane leave. And there's just a lot of talk about this team being old and tired. But they are flying, Ryan. And Manchester United, actually, unfortunately, they reaped the whirlwind, right? Mm. They were, how do I say this? This is, I'm really mean to say this because they weren't, I'll just say it. They were sunbathing on Ipanema Beach and a hurricane was just behind the hill and they didn't see it. They didn't see the hurricane coming because a team like this, and I don't, I hate singling out individual players, but I feel it's instructive right now to do this. The second goal, I think it was for, for, um, for Liverpool. The Nunez one. Casemiro misses two tackles in a few seconds. You never see that. You never see that. And you see, for example, um, a couple of loose passes. Uh, Luke Shaw plays infield. And it's just like, this is a pass he doesn't play. And I know that Liverpool are pressing 4-1. I know all of that. But I think there's a thing about Manchester United. The backlog games they played, they played what, like, one a, a game every th- what, three 11, games 11 games in 31 days I think it was which is three, a lot of football three <laughs> games three games a week uh, two of these players the centre-backs were in a World Cup an actual World Cup final then a Carabao Cup final it's the first trophy win in what like six, Five, years. six years put it this way a trip to Anfield is the last game you want at the end of that cycle mm. so you had like a Liverpool who Klopp by Klopp's own admission had trained perfectly like mm. the train beautifully said the first outstanding training sessions they've had all season. And Klopp is like, this is how I want it to look. Mm. And United meet that. So United at their kind of maybe mentally and physically weakest meet Liverpool at their best. And this actually I want to say as well and throw this in too. This is extremely exciting if you're trying to buy someone like Jude Bellingham because anyone that watched him against Leipzig oh, and wow. watched this man passing with either foot at the weekend, I mean, one of the most spectacular passing performances I've seen in recent months. Still 19 years old, you Bellingham. Ryan, you add Bellingham to that? Why is everyone talking about Bellingham going to Liverpool? Can we stop? Because it's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, it'll be, he's going to go to a very good club, right? In therapy we're told, Ryan, in therapy we're told to confront our greatest fears. Yeah, well, listen, (laughs) men will literally start podcasts (laughs) instead of going to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but sorry to go off one, but that was just to give Liverpool their props, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, I think the props, in terms of, sorry to jump in, to give them my own props. I feel like in games like this, you sometimes feel like, this might sound like I'm getting a little bit, like I'm trying my best to, doing my best Musa Ogwango impression. <laughs> There's like a kind of sub-genre of performances in certain games that, that set the tone. So it's kind of like a tone setting, right? And yes. someone like Gakpo is a prime example of this where you have a player who isn't really, it's not, this isn't peak Thierry Henry, right? Mm. But he has two finishes that are peak Thierry Henry yes, in a yes. game yes. that peak Thierry Henry would finish in them. Mm. Haters are saying, unless it was a final. 
because that's what haters do. Yes, haters but always do. That ah. first goal is pure Thierry Henry. Yes. Right? And the second is equally so because his second... Oh my God. I think maybe apart from Mo Salah's one off the bar just because it was so aesthetically and like audibly the, pleasing. The second's the goal of the match. But this, but Gakpo's second is fucking incredible because it's unreal. I mean, first of all, like Salah goes like Steph Curry <laughs> on Sandro Martinez. Yeah, and poor like poor Martinez is still just looking like, for him. Yeah, but the finish, the angle from Gakpo, and like I just, I, just, I don't know, man. I think when that went in, I just thought that was. I thought this is this is the one. I know that was the third. The second didn't kill Liverpool. Uh, didn't kill Manchester United. It mm. was either after the third one, I think it was the third one, where I put in the right his house group, I was like, this could get ugly. You said it. Because said it. it was like, the the shift in tone after that third yeah. was just like, okay, this could get really bad. And the reason that I recognised it is because I am an Arsenal fan and that moment has happened against Arsenal too many times to mention. Yes. And I spotted the danger from that moment. It felt like every single Liverpool shot on target was inevitable. The Salah one after that was just like, I mean, I think this is, again, it's really scrappy like you mentioned, but like the, the, the goal, like the actual finish on his right foot coming on it over, it's not over his shoulder, but like into his path. Mm. So brutal. And it what goes in off the bar. So it, obviously we know that that makes it, it should actually count one and a half. It should. It should count one and a half. As um, it, it did as it turned out. Yeah. And then Nunez again. And then Salah's, Second, which meant that he's become Liverpool's all-time top goal scorer in the Premier League. He's uh, just because obviously when stuff like this happens, people forget there was football before the Premier League. Yeah, uh, Liverpool's top goal scorer is Ian Rush, three hundred forty-six. Most league goals, Roger Hunt with two forty-four. So Salah is still what one hundred fifteen off. It's a lot of goals. It's a lot of goals. Um, so amazing for Mo Salah, but. Remember that they were pre-Premier League era footballers and it's worth remembering. And they were that. very good too. They were very I mean, good, Ian yeah. Rush is your record goal scorer on 346. Wild. Good luck catching that. Oh, God. <laughs> that was amazing, but sorry. Like, the only person who could probably catch that was if Kylian Mbappe had gone to Liverpool and not PSG at like 18 years old. Put it this way, he's had more goals than I've had cupcakes. <laughs> that's, that's a lot wow. of cupcakes. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a that lot. is a lot, actually. That's a lot. I actually don't think he has. But that's for another time. Well, wow, wow, cake shaving. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, cake faming. If cake anything. Fame. <laughs> but I mean, Liverpool had eight shots on target, seven and seven goals. Mm. They were so ruthless and they were so, like I say, that domino effect thing, it just felt like it, every single goal felt like inevitable. And this is where it's funny. You have to say, um, when you see Canate, I mean, Canate, we saw Canate further ahead than, he, this is about as far as I've seen him with the exception of him when he was at Leipzig. Yeah, when we first saw Canate, the man was running down the wing like there was nothing. Mm. This, Canate, this confident, is really exciting and is the player that we were frightened of when we saw him all that time ago. And we thought, he's not going to sign for Arsenal or United, where else he's going to go? Um, Canate van Dijk, that's just a great partnership there. Robertson, spectacular. Trent Alexander-Arnold was just on another level again. And you saw, you know, we didn't doubt it, but you saw the playmaking quality. Some of Henderson's passing through the lines, spectacular again. Fabinho just running the show. Everyone was just magnificent. 
So just to jump in really quickly, yeah, yeah, the yeah. best thing, I think oh, the reason, like there were a lot of people on that pitch for Liverpool who had their best performance in a long, long time. Yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. And actually the thing about Klopp at the end, Klopp not doing the fist pump, Klopp not being triumphal was really interesting. Like considering all of this, you know, the pressure on Klopp, the conversation around him, the ownership changing, whoever takes charge of that club is like, give this man what he wants. Give this man the tools, actually. See, I think that Klopp didn't have anything to prove to, I mean, people that love his work, but there was maybe a wider group of people that felt, oh, he's, he's losing the magic. This man can build another great Liverpool team. There's no question about it. Um, he can and he, he should. If, live, if there's, there's smart people at Liverpool, there are plenty of smart people there, obviously, empowered to make decisions, they need to give him the budget to build as he wants. This was a really exciting, I think for a Liverpool fan, not for me, but for a Liverpool fan, it's a really exciting preview of what the next two, three years could look like. And at the centre of it was Harvey Elliott, who was absolutely spectacular. He was amazing. I think um, Liverpool, Liverpool got a game in hand on Spurs. And if Liverpool win that, they've got a superior goal difference. They go fourth. That's bearing in mind Newcastle are only a point behind Liverpool with a game in hand, but Newcastle haven't won a game since January. Look at the month that Liverpool have had as well. Uh, we've talked about this off air and I, I considered writing a piece about it, but I might as well just talk about it now because mm. I've, not, I've not written anything for ages, but about how Liverpool could be quietly teaching us a lesson in modern day cyclical success. Mm. A lot of people said that team was done. They, a lot of people said that Klopp was done. A lot of people started talking about the final season in Dortmund. Mm. Um, people, yeah, like all of the things that you mentioned, the ownership change, the, the uncertainty, whereas when Klopp signed his contract extension less than a year ago, it made so much sense, you know? Mm. They could easily finish the season in the top four. Yeah. If you'd said that at the end of, well, when the World Cup came around, Liverpool are actually going to be fine. They're going to finish top four. I think a lot of people would have been like, mm, not sure about that. I didn't see it happening. I thought, do you remember that time? I think it was that they drew with Chelsea. Was it nil-nil? And I remember thinking, I said- Oh I yeah, think, one of the worst games this season. I said, I think this is the, <laughs> this is the first time I think Liverpool might yeah. come eighth. I think I said that. was that. after the World Cup, wasn't it? Because that was Madrid's debut. Yeah. And that was the first time I thought, actually, I'm not, I don't think Liverpool will make top four. That's the first time I thought I really felt it. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. So you're going into January, actually. Yeah, yeah January. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the turnaround has been incredible. Like you said, their month that they had in February has put them back into contention. Mm. It's the second time of potentially historic seasons that Liverpool have had a massive drop-off like the season after. Mm. But it's also not been any uh, accident that has happened with a severe amount of injuries mm. yeah. to key yeah. players throughout at various points of the season. I'm not making excuses for Liverpool because everyone has to navigate a season of injuries and stuff like that. But we're in a weird season in the Premier League where Everything's a little bit all over the place. Mm. Where Arsenal are in the league and a lot of people are talking about patience. Mm. People talking about patience when it comes to Graham Potter at Chelsea. Mm. I feel like Liverpool could be teaching us a bit of a lesson in terms of seasons are long, put it that way. Yep. And I don't think that you can be calling anything completely done or not in like January, whether it's a cycle, whether it's a team, whether it's a manager. So much changes throughout a season. You know, Liverpool could very, very easily, you know, maybe not third, but they could definitely finish fourth. Yeah, yeah. And then 
all of that all that stuff looks a little bit silly. It does, it does. I mean, there was a World Cup in between. I wonder about mileage, yeah. mileage and all the rest of it. But at the same time, I mean, you're right. I mean, just, can I say, this is, this is a super weird season. Manchester United's goal difference is plus six and they're in third place. That's super weird. Even without the 7-0 loss, like they would have been like, let's say they were like, you know, plus 13 in third place. Mm. Not the biggest goal difference for like a third place team. This is a really strange, I mean, but United again, we'll get to them in a sec, but this is very much a team under construction. Like they still are. Well, let's, let's move, let's move there. Cause I feel like yeah. we've talked a long time about Liverpool and we've done, you know, yeah. I feel like, I think the main thing is that, well, just one more thing on Liverpool. Yeah. I think Klopp won't be getting super duper carried away about this. No, no. I, you can see even at the end, he was like, yeah, uh, we've said this before um, with football. Uh, you can be very, very, um, much at risk of drawing the wrong conclusion from a bad result. Um, and so this is a terrible result. It's a historic result. Okay. I will only very briefly criticize Eric Ten Hag because I think actually a lot of the failures were individual in terms of leadership. And there's only so many changes you can make. So the first criticism I make is just a tactical one. Mm. Your best defend, your best tackler, your best tackler in the squad doesn't make it onto the pitch in the form of one Bissaka. That's a concern. Well, this is interesting because I think Dallow's positioning for the, it would have been the Firmino goal, right? Where he's behind the line. Yeah, that's where it ended in the positioning for the first goal. The reverse pass played into the gap. Let's talk about selection because I think this is an interesting one because starting with Tomine in midfield, basically Casemiro just looked like he, he, at one point he looked around being like, I could do with a little bit of help here. Mm. And he wasn't really, he didn't really seem to get it. I think playing Rashford how he's been playing most of the season, more wide on Trent would have been. Yeah, I think that's right. Would have made loads of sense. Just Absolutely. have Vakost almost as like the Giroud style pivot up top. Absolutely. Uh, it felt like an unnecessary tweak in a game where I don't think they needed to tweak it that way. It was really strange. It was really, really strange to see that. Just because, not to try a second guess, but just because you know the matchup, mm. you know that Rashford, you see what he's done against Trent before. Mm. It's been spectacular. Like at Old Trafford, you know, we've seen what he's done. So, that was a concern. Um, and then you put Bruno out on the wing where he's, he basically put everyone in their least effective positions for a game of this nature. Their course up top against Van Dyke and Canati presents them with a really good tactical problem, right? Mm. That's a really, really good matchup for them against like, you know, opposition that he knows well. So that I think was the tactical mistake. And then having one Bissaka starting well, they're just on the bench, basically staying on the bench. That was, I think, a mistake. But beyond that, you will never see Luke Shaw make so many individual errors. You just won't. One of the best passers in the Premier League, one of the best passers from fullback in the world, making choices like that, creative choices like that. You won't see that very often. We mentioned before um, Casemiro. I think Raphael Varane, unfortunately, <sighs> there's a long conversation about Varane not being the senior partner in the defence. Um, and not being assertive and how he's mm. many, many great things about Varane. I think also a challenge is he doesn't assert himself, I think, in situations like this. And I think a classic example was his positioning for the third goal where it was just, he just got blown away by a player with far greater will. Um, so I think there's a criticism, I think maybe of Ten Hag in terms of the tactical setup. But that isn't what lost in the seven goals. I think the seven goals basically came from a lot of just really, really bad individual choices. Mm. And a group of players, I mean, 
There was one moment where I saw on the flank by Chetic go past, I think it was Bruno Fernandes, and then it doesn't track him. Mm. And you saw that a lot. You saw like, Anthony. Well, this you saw, is, you saw, sorry you saw, to cut in, but, this, but how, well. how Fernandes and Anthony, Anthony as well. stayed on the pitch for the whole 90 minutes, I have no fucking idea. The only, the only thing I thought, the only thing I thought afterwards was, this is Ten Hag being like, you cause this, you, you stay out there and you deal with it. And I know that sounds like overly kind of disciplinarian. I actually feel there's a bit of sympathy for some players on the bench. And he's like, actually, I'm not bringing on Jaden Sancho when it's 5 no down because he's got nothing to do with this. And Anthony needs to learn. I feel like Michael Richards did a really good uh, Oh job my God, can I say, can I say, can I say this? Yes, thank you. Best tactical breakdown I've seen from him in a really long while. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to do that a lot more. I just yeah, want. Just, I, I mean, want, I just. Yeah, yeah. yeah I Love mean, to. I would gladly just listen to Micah talking about uh, like right backs positioning because he was yeah, an elite was, right back. Brilliant. Yeah, you brilliant. Know what I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Loved it. But yeah, he did a really, really good breakdown of of um, the lack of tracking back or the lack of kind of even put it this way. I always talk about this, and I know using Sesk as an example is a bit kind of like, oh well. I mean, yeah, nice one. But there was there there've always been these videos through Sesk's career, and I know he's a different position, but when he's not even on the ball, the mm. amount of times that he just scans, like top, top, top footballers, went full Harry Redknapp there. He's top, top player. Top, top uh, player, yeah. Terrific, tri- terrific top footballers. Uh, does that mean I'm a prof- am I, am I a PFM now? I'm, a, I'm getting to the age where I could qualify for a PFM. Proper <laughs> football man. Um, but you have to, now I know Anthony's a young player. We talked about him last week, so I don't want to feel like we're digging him out because he's a young player, but I feel like it's games like this that you really need to, like, if you're going to pay that amount of money for a player, they have to be aware, like more yeah. so. And Wingers have to work on both ends. There's a period where they, they zoom in on Anthony for a while. Not once does he remotely check what is going on around him to adjust his positioning. So much of what happened down that side was avoidable if Anthony had just been scanning his surroundings and just really subtle five-yard movements here and there. You yeah. just shut down passing lanes. It's not even about even man-marking a player. It's just about creating the illusion for the passer that that option isn't on. Yeah. Someone's going to play a long switch and they see you. Someone's going to play a switch and you're leaving a gap for them 20 mile wide. They're like, okay, that's exciting. But if you make them think twice about it and they look up to play that 40-yard mm-hmm. pass, then you're doing your job. And I think, can I just throw a contrast in here? Do you remember like how Rafa Benitez was so desperate to buy Flora Maluda and instead he went to Chelsea? And Maluda, I think, would have been the final player that was missing for Benitez and that great team. Maluda's strength was he was an astonishing defensive winger. He could attack. So good. But defensively, he was spectacular. And I just think of Maluda, a player like that last night, that United really needed. Someone that the moment the ball broke down for them, the play broke down for them, was basically like up in the face of a fullback. And you look at Anthony, and this is, this is going to sound a bit mean, but you know, he's not the biggest player, right? And the, the thing that I fear for him, not the biggest player, so then you know that physically you're giving away a lot. So then what does that mean? It means that if you're going to be not the biggest player, you need to have a bigger bag of tricks. You need to have more unpredictability to compensate for that. And my one concern watching him play recently is you kind of know, you know those TikTok videos you see when you see like, someone beating two or three players and it's like amazing and goes, whoa. And I'm like, you're watching going, yeah, that's great. But he always goes left. Mm. And eventually someone's going to work that out. And then like, they'll just stop, they'll just shut him down. The thing I worry about with Anthony is that same move of cutting in, taking the shot, whatever. It's, it's all a bit predictable, Ryan. 
And the problem with that is Liverpool then look at that when they're attacking and think we haven't got to worry about that because we know what's coming from that side. And I just think he has to have a real sit down, primarily in the off season because there's too many games at the moment, but really just sit down and think about, okay, what kind of player do I want to evolve into? Yeah. Because that question is coming for him really, really, and unfortunately because of the price tag, which is not his fault. Um, that question is coming with real um, intensity now, unfortunately. I wonder if, I wonder if this could be his Nunez against Manchester City moment. Oh, that's interesting. Well, you know, actually, Nunez is funny because Nunez has had his moment now. He's had his moment of redemption. Yeah. Yeah. You know, his, his goal against Real and now these, these goals now. Darwin Nunez is now, I think no, he was always going to be, well, I hoped he was, you never know with these players. I always hoped he'd be fine, but now he's really firmly on track. So I don't have to start, I don't have to worry about him anymore <laughs> as much as a United fan can worry about Liverpool player. Uh, what do, the question is, what does Anthony's breakthrough moment look like? I don't mm. think it's the winner against Barca, actually. As great a no, goal as that was, I think that was a really important milestone. But I don't think it's the moment that, as you would say, shifts the needle. If you're being kind, you could be like, this is very much a team who has been way ahead of schedule yes. all season. Yes. Slightly overperforming underlying numbers. I think so. And there yeah, was a yeah. moment of, a moment of like normalisation on the horizon. Yeah. If the foot is going to come off the gas and you are going to get punished for it, it's going to be the week after your first trophy in six years away Thank at you. Liverpool. And, and this is what we refer to as a course correction. And it, but at the end, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the most important thing now, it's a big old cliche, but it's the response. Because this could have been 1-0 and you still would have lost the same amount of points. Yes, exactly. Maybe you'll learn a lot more about this squad from this than you would have done if they just lost 1-0. But unfortunately, with moments like this, you have to fucking put up with a hell of a lot of Ewoking. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of someone, I was fearing the Ewok. You know, like, don't fear the Reaper. I was just like, don't <laughs> fear the Ewoking. At like two, when Arsenal were 2-0 down against Bournemouth on Saturday, I was just like, oh, fuck, this weekend's going to be so long. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny? That there's two things that are hilarious. First of all, like, <laughs> there is nothing like an absolute hosing to remind Manchester United fans <laughs> how hated. There's nothing that unites. There's nothing that unites football Twitter <laughs> like United getting absolutely hosed on a Sunday night. It's incredible. Everyone's got a roast in their belly. Everyone's chilling. It's like, oh my goodness, United. <laughs> so they were coming for us on social, but bless them, they weren't too bad to me. But what I will say as well. It was really, really funny to see um, what I call, I suppose, footballing or pundits amnesia. Ex United yeah, players. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of this United players. Ex United players sitting. I know where going, you're going. Oh my goodness. Getting destroyed. We've never seen this capitulation. Hmm. Some of us remember United being beaten 5 0 and 6 3 in successive weeks. I remember. <laughs> in the late 90s. It's like getting hosed by Liverpool is not new. Getting destroyed by title rivals or Champions League, you know, chasing rivals is, is not new, actually. It's all about the response. Unfortunately, these players, and this is why Ten Hag, I think you're right, he made a great point about how he didn't want to send certain players into the fray. He said something about, you know, the last, I think Laurie Whitwell wrote this great piece by him in Athletic about how Ten Hag for the last 10, 15 minutes was just watching mm. his players and watching for adjustments he had to make. Yeah. This defeat actually has given Ten Hag absolute permission to do what he wants. This is almost like his Ronaldo, two, this is Cristiano 2.0 moment. He won the conversation about Cristiano. He won the argument about over Cristiano. Mm -hmm. He has now won the argument over adjustments and replacements. Yeah. 
The only player who probably gets a buy this week, and even he probably won't get a buy, is Casemiro. Because I feel like Casemiro is just like, listen, mm. you can't just all dine out on my fucking leadership. I'm going to have my off days as well. That's so interesting. Because actually, if you look around, Finanche, Brayton, and Garnacho, I thought was just a bad look. Because yeah. why go after a young player like that? It's a teenager. Put it this way, put it this way. Modric does not do that to Kamavinga, and that's the difference. That's the difference. But that's why Modric is Modric. That's the thing. It's because actually... What's that thing that uh, Messi said? In tight games, in close games, you won't always want Iniesta close to you. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. If we're going to talk about like, you know, leadership for United and the process and the evolution, all the rest of it, this is a team that is growing. And these are the growing pains. I've been surprised by how well they've done. Someone made a very uh, interesting point saying, well, actually, this quiets the title talk. I mean, that's also fair. That's fine. That's fine. You know, Ten Hag basically now has... I think, permission to ask for more of that rebuild. I think he will take responsibility for his own tactical mm-hmm. shortcomings. I think he's really good at that. But he'll also say, look, we need to invest here, 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 and here. And that's fine. That's all fine. I, I, just, I just think one thing to close this point off, the sad thing is these 11 players will always be the ones, the starting players will be the ones that lost 7-0. They'll always have that on their resume, you know, alongside their World Cup finals and their trophy wins. We'll have to carry that. And that's, that's awful. That's humiliating. But, um, Hey, listen, you mentioned Brazil being on, uh, Ipanema beach earlier. Did you say Ipanema? Ipanema. Yep. Yep. Could have said Copacabana, but you know, could have, yeah. yeah. A pretty bad result happened not too far from, well, it actually happened quite far from that, but it happened in the same country. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I mentioned, but I was actually watching. Oh my God. <laughs> I think it's time we go for a break. Actually, we do need to go for a break because we've been we've probably spent the longest on any single game that wasn't a final ever. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go to a break. Any last? I was going to say any last words. That sounded bleak. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Just to say, uh, um, enjoy it, Liverpool. Um, obviously, I mean, I don't mention staying hydrated much, but I think it's important to give that notice because I think a lot of you may have had a very. Uh, Merry evening celebrating that. So yeah, make sure you've got your vitamins. Uh, replenish your nutrients. Um, and rather like uh, Liverpool fans would say when they were struggling, United, we go again. <laughs> we have to really. <laughs> uh, speaking of going again, Arsenal went and went and went and they tried and they tried and they crossed and they crossed and eventually... I was going to say they blew Bournemouth's house down, uh, house down, but I'm mixing so many metaphors. But it, it felt didn't like, feel it felt like, like, like they were crossing that much until after the game. Oh, yeah. it did as an Arsenal fan watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, if you somehow missed it, Arsenal beat Bournemouth 3-2 on Saturday uh, after being 2-0 down. Like I said, we'll talk more about this on Wright's House, but let's keep it brief because uh, but I thought Bournemouth were really, really good and they really, really made Arsenal go and win that game. Mm. Yeah. Super happy for Reese Nelson. I imagine he's going to be getting a ton of flowers on Wright's house. Yes. But the main thing I want to talk about is just the, it's the noise. The noise of the goal, right? There are sometimes like some goals just sound different. Mm. You know, I have, I cannot remember hearing the Emirates Stadium like that. Wow. I can't remember it. Even for the Barcelona, the Arshavin goal against Barcelona, it was different. Because I feel that there's a younger, more dynamic, way more engaged uh, atmosphere uh, on in general now. Wow. And I felt like, and obviously on a title run, 
And the fact that, I mean, if you look at the expected threat, the Opta expected threat breakdown from that game, it's kind of wild. They're like 80% possession. Unbelievable. Complete and onslaught. Complete onslaught. Yeah, Arsenal was sloppy. But again, you know how, like, for example, we were saying that, you know, uh, Manchester United only dropped the same amount of points and if they'd lost 1-0. Mm. I feel like, you won't, yeah, with Arsenal, you still win the same amount of points, but you can still go and analyse afterwards. That was like Makeda's goal against Aston Villa, that goal, in terms of the timing and the moment. And the Reese Nelson, it was almost like he was building though. I, I said this in the chat, but like mm. every decision he made, if you look at like Reese Nelson, the closing stages of that game, he was so locked in, not only got the assist for the equaliser, but also like just his, the choices he was making. Oh, mate, do you know what this was? This was a prime example of letting the game come to you. Yes, yes, yes. Fuck me. Like he was like so, it was just like, it was like watching an NBA point guard. It's like, actually, if I get 12 assists and 15 points, that's all good. But if I actually have to get double figures and rebounds and I get nine points, whatever happens, as long as we win the game, we win the game. It's just pure letting the game come to him. Right? It reminded me of like young pre-injury Oxley Chamberlain. Do you know what? That is... Do you, do you know what I mean? Like is, the decision making. This is, making. Just, just, this is why the I moment. do a podcast with you. This is why I do a podcast with you. I love you. Sometimes you just draw things and I'm just like, that's the, that's the, you know, like Ian says, it's the margins. It's <laughs> the, the margins. margins, my man. I went to the Oxford Chamberlain at, at the Emirates, a young pre-injury, and there were a couple of, uh, there's a couple of moments where I just turned to like people in the crowd, not even, not an Arsenal fan. I was just like, oh my God. I was like, the decisions, the decisions they were like, I was like, look at the choices this man is making. And this is what I felt with Reese Nelson. Didn't, ch- didn't come in field and hunt didn't cluster the play, just kept the game stretched, kept it open and kept Bournemouth just pulled apart. And they, you could see them collapse. When, when the third goal goes in, Bournemouth collapsed because they made this monumental defensive effort. They've been oh. defending from the ninth second of this game, basically. The incredible kickoff routine to take the lead. <laughs> and they're defending, they're defending, they get the 2-0. And Reese Nelson just, we talked earlier about cycles and patience and you saw the ultimate example of our in-game patience. They could teach that as a seminar, what Reese Nelson does. Even the way he arrives on the ball at the end. Oh my God, man. He could have burst that thing. So good. And just the, the, there's an amazing angle from behind the, the line. goal. Of like the, oh my God. He so shoots good. through the line. It was so good. I swore it took it's, a deflection. I was like, un- that couldn't have gone all the way in. Like, it's, so. it's unreal. Like, it couldn't have. But, the, but the thing though was the noise, the like, the thing about... Uh, I can't remember, forgive me, someone wrote it on, uh, I think someone wrote it on uh, Twitter, mm. but there's a really famous line when you know, like when everyone runs in different directions. Wow. And it was just like the pure, like I, I, I said to Ken on second captains that I didn't, I didn't jump, I didn't scream, I didn't jump, like I put, basically I didn't do what Wrighty did. Right? <laughs> I sat there, jaw open, and it was like I was numb. It was like I got, I had like a, almost like a chill because mm. I just thought I was expecting it, but I wasn't expecting that. Right. Yes. Yes. From, when, from the moment that Benjamin White scores, I'm like, Arsenal are going to win this game. But the fact that it took 27 minutes, 27 between the Benjamin minutes. White goal and then yeah. the winner, I think it's just more of a kind of like, okay, I was expecting it. I didn't expect it to take this long, but thank fuck it's done. And what a scene. And I knew, I, I, weirdly, I feel like I was kind of, I wasn't jumping around because I just wanted to take it this sounds so cliche. I wanted to take it in and I also just knew straight away, I'm like, I'm going to watch this again this weekend a couple of times. So I'm just going to, I know that there's too much to pay attention to here. The fact that like Arteta turns around and he's all of a sudden 
Hey, little kid. High five. Yeah, that, that, Hang that on was, a minute. Why the fuck is there a child, a child here? There. Whose child is this? Can we get security? Can we get security in here? But also, this services. is an amazing thread that someone wrote, which is like posting videos of different reactions from the goal. Mm. I can't explain it, but the sound, like I'll rehash a load of this on Writer's House, so maybe I should stop talking. We should move on. But No, it's unreal. It's more so. of like, at the end of the day, you beat in the, the side bottom of the league at home. Big fucking deal, a lot of people were saying. But like, actually- No, no it's different. Because everyone it's, comes for you. Everyone yeah, comes exactly. for you. Exactly. If you actually look at the league this season, probably more people are fighting for things than they have done in recent years in the Premier League. There's only six points between Bournemouth at bottom and Palace in 12th. Anyone from 12th down, realistically, like, could Do Bournemouth have a kickoff routine for everyone? I don't think they have that for everyone. When you play Arsenal, there's a level of preparation because of, you know, how they press up on you as well, mm. because they're, you know, the top of the league and their style of compressing play coming in field. Bournemouth have different schemes and that's the thing, you're getting everyone's best game now. That's what's happening for Arsenal. Arsenal are getting, it's like, you know, Cremonese now in, in Serie A. Serie, they're fighting for their lives and they're coming at everyone. You look at Napoli now. Napoli lost at the weekend because they're getting the firestorm as it should be. Pride of place. And you think, the thing you about Napoli- called firestorm. <laughs> we don't like to talk about that. Yes, we did. Back in the, <laughs> back in the ether. Yes. Many, many moons, many moons ago. Yeah. It was a firestorm really. And you look at like the way Arsenal have to look at it is not look at the name of the team you're playing. Yeah. Don't playing. look at Bournemouth. Don't look at Villa. No, whoever you're playing is giving you, put it this way, expect to play peak Chelsea every week, for example, right? With speed and midfield heft and counter-attacking and width, expect peak Chelsea every week. And what I will say about Arsenal is interesting is the two late winners they've got, mm. not so much the Martinelli, but the Jorginho and, and now Reese Nelson, how cathartic have these goals been? Because they've not, they've, and this is the lesson for Arsenal, they've come as a result of playing football. Both of those goals came. The Jorginho goal is maybe even better because of the build-up for that goal. That's incredible. For Arsenal to be playing that quality of football that late in the game against Villa, to find that gap against that oppo- that nature of opponent, Emery, Martinez, all the narrative, and they scored a spectacular goal. And all of this narrative, and they score a spectacular goal. It's almost like they keep answering yeah, just every keep question. That's it. That's what we always talk about is something they're passing each test and like each yeah. test is different and some will value each test in different ways. But it's yes. just like, at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking, it really doesn't matter actually. They just need to win every game. Yeah, yeah. Every game they can give themselves as much of a buffer because they've got to go to Anfield. They've got to go to uh, the Etihad. Yes. Those are the two on paper toughest games. Oh, they've got to go to Newcastle as well. So they've got three difficult away games. Yeah. They need to give themselves as much of a buffer that gives them as much wiggle room as possible. Yes. Because they're going to need some wiggle room. For sure. Like, anyway, we'll talk more about that on Wright's House. Yes. Amazing Saturday in the Premier League where every single home team won. Man City beat Newcastle 2-0 and they were pretty good value. I didn't think it was a great game to be honest. No, uh, no, Villa no. beating Palace 1-0 and then, like we, we mentioned, you mentioned Emery before, but Villa slowly taken away nicely. Yeah. Any other weekend, by the way, we would have spent a good 15, 20 minutes talking about Brighton. Yes. Zerbi on the phone in the crowd because of his, his, he's a naughty boy and he was serving his touchline ban. But maybe also um, about West Ham. But also about West Ham. And is I that, do is, feel like this is a conversation we've been saying we need to have a conversation about West Ham, but we haven't yeah. talked about them properly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just Brighton, again, brilliant. Uh, West Ham, again, pretty poor. Uh, Chelsea won a game. They beat Leeds United 1-0. Mm. They made hard work of it, though. 
Hard yeah, work. they did. I mean, they're making hard work of everything at the moment. That's true. Like I say, that the season. I know we. I don't want to, you know, completely dismiss every Chelsea result by yeah, not talking about. Especially it, since we got to, we got cooked seven 0 So you know, <laughs> well, yeah, but they need to. They just need the end of the season. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's Spurs right. have also, I feel like, escaped a little bit because of what's happened this weekend, losing yeah. away at Wolves one 0 But um, not a good run of form for Spurs. No, no, no. Uh, big win for Southampton though, beating Leicester one 0 especially with the Bournemouth result and. Um, yeah. Forest and Everton drawing on Sunday, yeah. which I, <laughs> I actually really enjoyed this game. It was uh, unnecessarily gnarly. No one actually wants this, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so yeah, wild weekend in the Premier League. Um, do you want to go to... Bundesliga, I think. Let's do the Bundesliga. But, Just because uh, that's the one that, yeah. Dortmund have won 10 games in a row in all comps. Yeah. And uh, kind of, bar a nervy last 15 or so against Leipzig on Friday night, they were good. They were I thought really, they were really, really good. So there was a lot in this game. You know, bear in mind how well Leipzig have been playing in recent weeks. Mm. This was some of the most, th- I saw that, I saw Dortmund in this game and just thought, like, some of this is genuinely spectacular. There's disallowed goal by Brandt, um, which is amazing because, well, it's a beautiful finish, but Bellingham hits this incredible cross your pass, the assist, and then is celebrating before the ball's even in. Like he's got his arms in the air and he's like, yeah, like as in he's got that much faith in Brandt's goal scoring form. Um, and then he hits another crossfield pass with the other foot later, I think in the half. And I was just like, Bellingham's passing is lights out in this game. Emre Chan's been brilliant. I mean, if you get a chance actually to watch Dortmund now that Haller's back from uh, recovering from testicular cancer, if you get a chance to watch Dortmund, any of you listen to this podcast, just even like check out some highlights. They're an absolute treat at the moment because. Terzic, you know, to use your phrase, deserves a massive amount of credit for how he's configured that squad and really got them playing well. He hasn't done the easy things. You know, it was um, difficult to shuffle Makoko. He's lost Adiemi, Reina's in and out, uh, injury and form issues. But he's really found, Terzic, I think, a core that works for him and it's really exciting. Yeah. Um, Dortmund are legit this year. And I know we said this before, yeah. like, title challenge, is it the real thing? Actually, yes, it is. Dortmund have to believe. Dortmund have to believe. That's really it, Ryan. I have to. Say, it sounds a bit of a cliche, but this is one where yeah, they can look at the. And also, here's the thing: Dortmund can defend. Dortmund can actually defend this thing. Schlotterbeck, Zula. There's some quality there. Like so, mm. they've got to be on their game. I think, but they're looking at their best. I would say, at their best, Dortmund look more solid than they've looked in a yeah. little while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, totally. I mean, Union starting to slip away a little bit. That's um, understandable, but also, yeah, totally. also, it was a one, it was a nil draw against Köln. I mean, Köln is not yeah, a, I mean, they're not, they're not clowns. Exactly, they're not clowns. Also, like Union slipping away in the context of that, like it's absurd. Yeah. yeah, ahead of a Europa League tie. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just I know, I know, I know. I, know I, you mean, I know where you mean. I was then. Like I know what you mean. It's absurd. So, so, so there's this is Union, <laughs> the third Union, our third in the Bundesliga. That's ridiculous. In March, <laughs> this ridiculous. is wild. It's ridiculous. Absolutely wild. Um, do you know what was absolutely wild? What's that? Napoli losing at home on Friday night. Uh, they lost to, uh, to Lazio. Yes, now. yes. But also as well, with Milan losing to Fiorentina, not the worst time to lose a game. Exactly. Not the worst time to I mean, lose Inter a game. Inter won, but yeah. not the worst time. It was. Um, yeah. Roma beating Juve uh, on Sunday night 1-0. Uh, we mentioned this earlier, Moise Kane coming on th- off the bench in the 89th minute and getting sent off on the 90th. He's had a bit of a journey, Moise Kane, in the last few years, yeah. hasn't he? Slightly concerned about how his career hasn't really... 23 years old now. Yeah. And it's not gone 
Well, he's still, he's still, he's still young, but it's not gone, I think, in the direction. He's only just gone 23, but mm. he hasn't quite had the trajectory that I was hoping for when I first saw him emerge, but we'll see. We'll see how it yeah. works out. A uh, big goal from Gianluca Mancini, by the way, in that game. Was yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It was good. And uh, that put Roma back into the Champions League spots on goal difference because of Milan's defeat, which is pretty good going. Mm. Uh, quickly in La Liga, Ronald Araujo was applauded off when he got sent off on, uh, <laughs> on, on Sunday against Valencia. Uh, they won the game 1-0. Barca are like ticking along a little bit like just 1-0's here, 2 here. I've, I've got a favourite moment from this game. It wasn't that. It was <laughs> Ter Stegen tries playing the ball out from the back oh. and he messes it up oh, and it, it goes yeah. completely wrong and the ball gets slashed over the top and afterwards none of the defenders even remonstrate with him. Not, no, one even, no one even points to him. Everyone just turns away and he's just standing there embarrassing and it's almost like Look what you've done. Stand in the <laughs> Go to air jail. He it's looked like so <laughs> naughty. <laughs> there was a thing like go to air jail. It was like a thing I saw on Instagram where a guy, like whenever his dog gets told off, he just picks him up and holds him in the air. He's like, you're going to air jail. So you think, this dog is just kind of like held, like being held like in the air, just like, whoa, I've been, I've really fucked up. And that's kind of what Tostega was. He's like, go and sit on the naughty step. I'm not going to name names. We had this guy at uni, right? And, he was known to be like, he arrived at uni going like, oh yeah, um, people say I'm the cleverest person in the year. Because he'd been known to be like, you know, but, you know, there's always some kid who in his hometown, in his home county was like the smartest person. And you come to uni and everyone's as smart as you, if not smarter, right? And he would just go off on some like philosophical rant in the lunch hall. And of course, like you could do that back home and everyone's like, oh my God, wow, you, you've basically eaten a thesaurus. Whereas like at uni, I was just looking at this guy going, like you, you've just said a whole bunch of nothing. <laughs> that was like... The look on Ter Stegen's face and the defenders around were like, you really thought you were being slick, brother. You thought you were being slick. Like, yes, you're a very good footballer at the back, but you do not have a better first touch than <laughs> a Valencia forward. <laughs> I, I cried. I mean, I, I, I don't doubt that. Gave my vitamins, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, a on a tough day, on a tough day for me. Uh, Real Madrid joined again, uh, yeah. this time to Betis, away at Betis, nil-nil. Uh, they had a goal ruled out early on by VAR. Cream uh, Benzema had the ball in the back of there, but I've got a hell of a stat. Mm. Joaquin, player that we love, he's now played top-flight football against Real Madrid players, born in 1968 and 2004, <laughs> 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 which is absolutely wild. It's unbelievable. Shouts to Tim Lee, the commentator who tweeted that. Incredible, incredible. Just probably still you, the fittest player at Betis. I know, right? What the <laughs> hell? They've got that biggest lung capacity, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Did he say he was going to retire this season? I can't remember. He always, it always feels like every season Joaquin's going to finish. Yeah. And then... Uh, then he rises again. Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I make myself so happy. Oh, I think that's... Yeah. I, I got some great tell me it, this weekend. Tell me, it's, tell me it's time to end the podcast without telling me it's time to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Also, one last thing in La Liga, just a quick shout out to Atleti for their 6-1 win over Sevilla. I know Sevilla's had a tough season, oh. but for Atleti, this was huge. And I want to just say, in particular, Antoine Griezmann, masterclass. Got to shout him out for that. He was brilliant. And um, I want to throw this in here quickly as well. We've talked about brilliant wide forwards in the Premier League. He's one player. I'd just love to have seen Griezmann in the Premier League mm -hmm. as a second striker midfielder um, at some point because he was spectacular in this game. So yeah, big shout out to Atleti. Uh, they came through really well in that game. Shout out to Memphis Depay as well because like just a random transfer in January to Atleti. Such a, like, <laughs> he, again, but before he signed for Atleti, 
he's not. He was the most Aleti player to sign for. Sign Vardy and unleash the Depay Vardy front two. Oh my god! Do it to my veins. Do you know who else is quite Aleti? Bruno Fernandes. Actually, yes. Anyway, yes, we just we talked about. Uh, Atleti winning 6-1 and then just started talking about players that they don't have yes so that's not, not ideal but yeah great win for them someone tweeted a really lovely thing about Griezmann they said since the World Cup he's been the best player in La Liga and I really like that he is spearheading I don't know if it's resurgence but he's spearheading their best efforts it's funny because the goal they conceded is the most un goal to concede mm. and the nature of the scoreline reminded me this is a very different it's a very different beast from what Simeone first envisaged when he took charge. Mm. But if, if, if Griezmann can be the core of it, and there was a really lovely moment where the, he scores his goal and he runs over and hugs Simeone. And like, that is quite a pointed thing because you're like, well, Simeone's someone a bit like Klopp who needs, I think, uh, a second wind. Mm. Well, at this point, it's a second or third wind given how long he's been there. But yeah, I, I, hope, I hope that Simeone can find his, um, his groove like Klopp has obviously rediscovered his. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Quick shout, isn't, um, didn't Hoffenheim beat uh, Wolfsburg? They've broken their unbeaten run in the oh, uh, in Bundesliga. the Bundesliga. Yeah, yeah. That was a big, big run. They won, I think, 20-odd games. So yeah, that's worth mentioning. That's a great shout. Yeah. yeah. And that just also makes it a bit closer at the top of the table. So they're two points ahead of mm. Bayern. And they've been drawn against each other in the Pokal. Yes. So that's going to be interesting. So yeah. Shall we get out of here? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, don't forget, you and I will be on Wright's house on Tuesday to talk all about Arsenal so Musa doesn't have to talk about Manchester United although I think alright you might want to talk a little bit about Manchester United so sorry about that but might be a little bit of a bumper Arsenal edition um, you and I will be back on Thursday do you know what's back yeah. this week? what's uh, the champions behave that's the B-side to <laughs> na, 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 na. <laughs> Don't forget to check Stadio on Twitter, Stadio Football on Instagram. Go to stadio.football, scroll mm. to the bottom, pop your email address in, and we will actually do a mail out. Mm. It's been a while again, but yes. we need to restart doing those more regularly. Sorry, been pretty busy. Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. Strictly Witch, playing out on a brand new one from Chunky, track called Yes I. It's off the brand new album, Somebody's Child, which is out now on the brilliant Egglow label. Uh, go and support it. Go and buy it. Uh, it's out on vinyl it's out on digital download and you can obviously stream it on Spotify or whatever streaming platform you use we'll stick a link to the Bandcamp on the follow up to the tweet about the show so uh, if you want to go and purchase it purchase it through that and uh, yeah anything you want to add Musokwonga nothing further lovely Uh, much love everyone we'll be back with you on Thursday see you then hope you're getting my best side yes I from central south on the west side Yes, I know I ain't got it, but I'll make time. Breadline, only so much I can let slide. Better take time. Hope you're getting my best side. Yes, I from Central South on the West Side. Yes, I know I ain't got it, but I'll make time. Breadline, only so much I can let slide, y'all. 
better time Ain't impressed by most of them, make ghosts of them Picture perfect pose and then morose again Step on stage, no rows again They know the part, no rows apart We're zones apart, they're grown under golden arch Their bones are parched, get blown apart And dynamite, a bone apart, under par Shit's not Vunderbar, can't cross man I ain't the bridge in Vonderpark My killers would bludgeon clap Round the bits there's loads of heart Teens buy free on Noah's art You know the lot, can't crack down Warsaw Crack cow poles apart Talk the part, you ain't wrote the bars Did it though they didn't know the bars Quick show the bars, didn't know that I didn't own a barge Shocked when they got shown the cards Shown the hand, didn't overstand Shocked they never did know the man Setting up shop with no demand Made them change up all the plans Show them skills they did not know they had Beggy don't call me dad Beggy don't call me dad Beggy don't call me uncle Beggy don't call me uncle Beggy don't call me dad Beggy don't call me dad Beggy don't call me uncle Beggy don't call me uncle Hope you're getting my best side Yes I From central south on the west side Yes I No I ain't got it but I'll make time Breadline Only so much I can let slide Better take time Hope you're getting my best side Yes I From central south on the west side Yes I No I ain't got it but I'll make time